What's up, everyone? Hello. Welcome back to the State of the Arc podcast. This is our exclusive podcast for patrons and subscribe stars. Yeah. Um, this month, uh, it was very close. The vote was between, really became between Arrival and um, Yasuka uh, of the Valley of the Wind. Which oh, is sweet. A Ghibli film. Yeah. They were separated by literally one vote. Oh, no way. Arrival won by one vote. Wow. So I'm not sure how to handle something like that. Is it, should we just roll into next month and do... Uh, do Nausicaa? Do Nausicaa next time? Because or, it was like they essentially tied? <laughs> or like... Well, I, it included in the poll next time, I guess. I guess so. But just keep having people vote. And... That's probably what I'll do. <laughs> but um, anyways, I'm very excited to talk about this film. This is actually uh, one of my favorite movies of all time. This is your first time seeing it. I had never seen it before. I remember seeing trailers for it and mm -hmm. thinking, wow, that's a movie I got to see. Yeah. And I just never, I never watched it. Well, particularly it. because you are so passionate about language. Yes, language. And that's like really at the center of the concept of this movie. Exactly. <laughs> but you know what? In some ways, I'm actually glad that I waited. Mm -hmm. Because there, yeah. are, there are... <laughs> There are analysis, analysis points yeah. <laughs> uh, within notes that I took here that yeah. I would never have noticed until until now. More recently, that's and you'll know. know when some of them are, <laughs> because hint, hint, that's an Ouroboros, and we're gonna get into that. Oh yeah, Kay. totally. So this movie's so good. This it movie's just fantastic. So it's directed by Denny Villeneuve. I think that's how his name is said. Yeah. Um, most recently, he was the director of Dune. Did you end up saying oh, you gosh. saw Dune? Right? I read the book. I read the book. I just recently I read the book two weeks ago, and I'm waiting to watch the movie. One set second part comes out. <laughs> no, I'm waiting for just when the time is right and my wife oh, wants sure. to, and we'll watch it together. Okay. I I don't know when that'll be, but it's a good film. I really like it. Um, yeah. Oh, I've he's, heard he's made some great great movies. Enemy is yeah. awesome. Uh, I think Prisoners is another one. Incendies. He he's made some nice. really great films. One of my favorite filmmakers in Hollywood right now. Um, so uh, let's just jump straight in. Uh, let's just okay. get straight into the analysis here. So the, 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 the movie yeah. opens up with this dialogue and, and this is all really great foreshadowing and setup. I used to think this was the beginning of your story. Memory is a strange thing. It doesn't work the way I thought it did. We are so bound by time, by its order. I remember moments in the middle and this is the end. But now I'm not so sure I believe in beginnings and endings. There are days that define your story beyond your life, like the day they arrived. That is really hard to parse when you don't know the movie yet. You haven't seen it. Of course. It. But on the second viewing, it's like, oh my and gosh, that's See, <laughs> my first note was not that. I quoted the next line that she says, ah. and not that part. Because even though that was beautiful and poetic, um, I didn't know what she was talking about. <laughs> so I was like, all right. So my first quote is, there are days that define your story beyond your life, right? Yes. So your whole life may be lived, and most of the days nothing happens, but some of the days everything happens, right? Mm -hmm. More things happen than, your, than can be contained in your life in just a few days. Anyways, it's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. So my note for that is, um, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> so as she's giving that opening narration, you're seeing... Um, Scenes with her and her daughter. Uh, the main character here is uh, Louise Banks. Yeah. Um, she is a linguist. She's a professor at uh, a universe, some university in Montana. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't give a name to it, but um, she it just different scenes with her daughter from being born um, all the way until she dies of a fatal illness, probably at cancer. A, at a young age, maybe 16, 17 yeah, year old uh, girl. Teenage yeah. girl dies of, I would assume, cancer. She, her, yeah. she, her head's shaved yeah, her head's at shaved. the end of it. Um, 
and and they they use um, music here that was not written by the composer. It's actually a piece by Max Richter mm. um, on the nature of daylight, um, and this will oh, nice. come back again at the end of the film and tie mm. the beginning to the end, okay. you know, so to speak, a bookend yes. that like brings the beginning and end together. Like a circle, <laughs> like a continuous. So uh, they, they use the music here in a really effective they way. They also do some bookending things with cinematography. You've got yep. that shot where it's looking at the ceiling and it's slowly. Mm -hmm. This is what I love about this movie. It's so beautiful. Everything is so slow and deliberate. Yeah. There's very little, there's a few handheld shots, but for the most part, it is very, the shots are long. Yeah. They hold, they linger. They, they wait until like the impact of the artistry, just like you, you, you can slowly absorb it, uh, almost as if you're looking at a painting. It's not these quick frames, yeah. but they'll slowly tilt down from looking up to down. And I've got tons of, <clears throat> sorry, I was sick of last week, so my voice is bad. <laughs> I've got tons of notes on the cinematography, but you'll notice that in the beginning of the movie, it's looking for upwards down. And mm. you'll see multiple times where the camera slowly tilts downwards. Yeah. Once they arrive, you start to get up. down and the camera starts going up. And the mm. symbolism there is that, you know, things are, you, when, you, when you're looking up and then down, something, um, your, your attention is being brought downwards from above, right? Yeah. And that's what it seems like. You know, things, something's coming down and, and to earth. Whereas once they arrive, um, everything is being brought upwards now. Your, your gaze is on the move this way and you start to see those shots. You're now looking upwards. It's just beautiful, beautiful symbolism. Actually, it reminds me of a line from the end of the movie from Donnelly where he says, um, since I was a kid or something like that, my, my eyes, my gaze yes. have been turned upward. Yes, but I, yes what, he what says surprise, that halfway what through. What surprises me is not them, but that I found you. And, and that's yeah. why at the very end it bookends yeah. that same shot where it's coming and it's looking back down again. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, the, the, the time to look up happened, it is now time to look back down mm -hmm. and to fix Earth, yeah. to focus on Earth instead of looking up to the stars. Yeah. You know, it's just, oh, it's beautiful. It's I really love good. it so much. The, the, the next kind of scene that plays out is her arriving at the college and kind of walking into the classroom. And there's like five students. There's like nobody there. So like, it's, where it's is all everybody? the kids that don't use internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there were some like stirrings as she, she saw as she was yeah, passing in the by hall. in but the hallway she, and things. Okay, another thing that I'm gonna talk about this whole entire time is the lighting. You saw the flashbacks of her, you could see her eyes. Mm -hmm. You can't even tell what color her eyes are in the shots that show her now in the modern time. Yeah. Walking through the hall, they, they put a black fill in front of her eyes. There is no catch light. You do not see her eyes very well. Her eyes are shaded. They're very, very dark. And um, she, her face is almost always in the darkness. She's always facing away from the light source. And there's never a catch light in her eyes for the first 25 minutes yeah. of filming. Even outdoors, there's no catch light. And th th the importance there is that there's no light in her eyes. It's almost as if she's, she's died, right? Yeah. And you assume, based on what you're watching here, it's because of her daughter Dying. Dying, that right. she, sh she died along with her daughter, yeah. right? And now she's just like going through the motions. She's just like living life as a zombie, just lifeless. And you, there is no light in her eyes. And the first time, it's beautiful, the first time you see that catch light in her eyes is when she's in the, the ship, the alien yeah, ship, yeah, and she's right. looking up, and they're approaching that 
that white, the, what, yeah, the, 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 the light. window. Yeah. yeah, and that's when she's looking upwards, and that's the first time you can, and, oh, wow, she has, she has like, blue eyes. Like, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, you do not notice that before. There is no light in her eyes until that point, and each time she comes back to the earth, once again, she, her eyes lose their life until the end of the film, but, yeah. oh, my gosh, so beautiful. So you see that as she's walking through, as she's going to class, just there is no light in her eyes. I love, just as a note to this, and I'll talk about this in more in depth later, the love, uh, love the way that they play with your perception of events uh, through the uh, linear nature yeah. of film, right? It's, it's, you're yep. watching it beginning to time, end. Yeah. and the way that they choose to show information yeah. plays with your perception of the chronology of the movie right? in a way that is so brilliantly recontextualized later by the fact that she's living these events non-linearly. Exactly. So yes. we'll get more into that later, but <laughs> the, the, there's there's the way that she'll respond to memories of her daughter that you yeah. can read two completely different ways. I know, based and on I want to watch this that. movie again now. Yes, you should, <laughs> so that I can get that. Yes. And anyways, I don't really get it at the moment. So yeah, she's kind of uh, clueless as to what's going on. All the kids yeah. in the class, their phones start blowing up, and it's like, uh, can you turn the TV to a ch news channel, please? Yeah, and it's like, alien right. ships, twelve alien ships have landed in what seems random spots random, yeah. all over the world. Yeah. And uh, I really, really like the design for the aliens and their ship. And it's just oh, like, yeah. It's yes. like so different from what you typically see. Oh, and it yeah. feels so sufficiently alien and strange and mysterious and kind of freaky, even though there's they don't. They haven't done anything to like yes. make us assume no, that no. they have hostile intentions. They're just they exist. They're like almost gentle aliens. Yes. But there's just something really yes. intimidating and frightening about it all because it's you don't understand it. That 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 fear of the unknown is really playing a role um, all throughout the build up to revealing them, right? But there's just these. They're, they're just these sort of like mirror-like black obsidian rounded oblong shapes yes. that just float there <laughs> above the ground. Uh, the, and and uh, Donnelly mentions later there's no sonic emissions or there's no yeah, like... radiation. Radiation. Yeah, none of that. The, uh, we have no idea. We have no idea what the material, the element yeah. that the ship is made or, or out of. Or how it's powered. Like, it just makes no sense. It's just like, yeah, they don't understand anything about yeah. this technology, right? Um, anyways, so these ships have landed all around the world. Yeah. Um, and people are kind of starting to freak out, right? Uh, then she's visited by Colonel Weber um, to, because she had done some translation work for the government, for the US military in the past. She had translated some insurgent videos or something yeah. like that. Um, so she had been given uh, security clearance at that time, but the security clearance like lasts for a certain number of years. And so she still has eligibility for two more years of that security clearance, which yeah. put her at the top of the list for people to choose because she can get to work right, right. away without they don't have to, to do a background check. paperwork yeah and, and paperwork and you know push papers to get her to like be approved right she could be approved like right away um, yep. but she wants she she he asks her like you know translate this for me basically and just plays a sound clip of some growling and deep yes. throated sort of like sounds She's like, I can't translate that. Like, I need to be there. I, I need to, to go. And he's like, No, I know what you're trying to do. Like, we're not bringing anybody yeah. on site. Like, I'll go find someone else yeah. if that's your answer, right? Now, unfortunately, <laughs> this is Forrest Whitaker, right? Yes. Unfortunately, 
his character comes across as pretty stupid. <laughs> I agree. This is my one criticism, my real one real criticism with this movie. Yes. Horace Whitaker is is literally the um, the I don't know if anagram is the right word of the lowest common denominator film goer at the yes. movie. Yes. The dumbest person in this the audience. This is the question the dumbest person would have. Yeah, it, it, yeah. They, they thought, who? how do we get the dumbest <laughs> person in the movie theater to understand this? Forrest Whitaker is going to be to stand in to ask those questions, yes. and she will give the most <laughs> obvious answers to... He's like, well, you speak Portuguese. You, you translated a Persian document once. Why can't you translate this? Because I, I know that language. I know the Persian. I don't know this. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like, oh, good point. It's like you, ah. I had to tell myself, like, okay, he's there to help the audience. You know, I agree like, 100%. That's I don't want to sound elitist, but it's like he's not there for me. His entire <laughs> there role for other is just to make sure the dumbest person understands what's exactly, going on. Exactly, exactly. And I... <laughs> would not have made that choice. I was, you know, maybe, I mean, it's not necessarily like a big studio film or anything. I don't know if it's an independent film either. There were like five credits as to who made this film. It kept saying like future 21 films and this and this, and it was probably yeah. distributed by one of the big, you know, companies, but there was a bunch of different credits. You just know that somebody was like, listen, we, we got to make sure people get this, you know, understand what's yeah. happening. And so please put this line in there, kind of thing. It's just like, but uh, they do. It's multiple times. It's it, multiple it's times. It's always it happens. him too. And it's always, always Colonel him. Weber. The other guys, at least, oh, they're a jerk or whatever. But it's like him. He just doesn't know the first thing about talking yes. to, to people. <laughs> and that's such a trope <laughs> of military yes. types in movies. You're right. You're right. They're always that. They're um, brawn and um, no brains. They're just. Yeah. They're really stupid. They always are just like looking for What's ways the to word? like fight first. It's a jarhead, jarhead, is yeah. that what they call military mm. guys? Yeah, it's like, I don't know. I don't military know commanders are generally really smart people. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, if you're going to raise the ranks, not only yeah. are they like basically politicians at that point, which a lot of the lower military people don't like them for that, but they're really freaking smart. Like yeah. they're smart and they're political and they're, that's maybe not a great combination. <laughs> Actually, it probably is a great combination, but it doesn't result in what you want it to some, sometimes. Okay. But, but in any case... He says he's going to go to Berkeley and get some other guy. Yeah. And she, she's like, basically sets a test for him. Ah. Right? It's, and this is, it's, it's, it's Sanskrit. Indian Sanskrit. What is the Sanskrit word for war and wh how would you reverse translate it back into yes. English? Yeah. Yes. And he's like, okay. And so he, he goes there, presumably. She goes back home. Well, first of all, I made a note on this. Am I meant to believe that some adjunct college professor teaching language at a school in Montana yeah. lives in this beautiful freaking lakeside mansion. <laughs> I know, I know, it's crazy. It's a really cool house. Especially and, understanding the nonlinear nature of her life. Yeah. Where did, the, how did this happen, right? Yes. Yeah. It's a really cool house and I know oh, yeah. why they wanted to um, shoot the there because it's is beautiful, beautiful yeah. for the cinematography, for for yeah. the, the, the purposes of the, the actual image and uh, composition of the film. But it's like definitely like <laughs> like a multi-million dollar house for yes. sure that she lives in. It's a super fancy house. Yeah. Um, but anyways, again, I can look past that. Um, <laughs> she goes home. She's kind of watching these things on the news and whatnot. Oh, her, but, her mom calls her. Yes. And her mom's freaking out. Yeah. And she's not. And this is where I took the note again of the... It's almost as if she's already died. Like, um, you remember when I brought up during Final Fantasy Tactics podcast how Delita had already died, and that's how yes. Delita was able to kind of be bold and courageous and right. do things. And same thing with Sergeant Spears from Band of Brothers. 
I felt like that's kind of what was happening with her, that mm. she had already died and she wasn't afraid of death now. And so now it just wasn't a big deal to her. Right. Uh, but my note says, you know, it had her daughter still been alive, that she would be doing the same thing, calling right. her daughter, saying, what's wrong? Where are you? Are you, are you mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Not knowing how the movie pans out. But, right. you know, it's fascinating. Uh, I also took notes about just the general panic, the nature of what, you know, <coughs> everyone's going through within this movie. Yeah. Um, and the way that the, the news media is stoking that fear. Yes. That's very in convincing. Mo- in multiple <laughs> ways. Yeah, in multiple yeah. ways. Um, <clears throat> but... It also, and the fact that she's sleeping with the TV on all the time, and like I took this note here because this just happened yesterday. We don't need to talk much about it, but the Russian invasion of oh, Ukraine. Right, yeah. I, I saw some clips from that recently of helicopters going through residential neighborhoods and mm-hmm. you know jets flying overhead. And this this scene actually like really hit me hard because mm-hmm. I had just watched that stuff, and my thinking was, my gosh, dude, Americans don't have to worry about this crap. Yeah. Like, there's very few places in the world where you can almost guarantee that you're never going to have to worry about whether a bomb's going to land on your head or not. Yeah. This is one of them. Yeah. And there's maybe a few others throughout the world. But it's, like, unbelievable. People in Ukraine, it's like one day everything's fine. The next day, am I going to live or not, mm-hmm. right? And that's where all this panic is coming from. And that's where, what do you do? Well, you go at home and you just turn on the TV and, and listen to the news. Just try to find somebody to tell you that you're not going to die, yeah. basically. Right. And like, that's crazy, but it was really powerful, specifically because of the Ukraine thing. Yeah, I agree. Um, that, that actually was really interesting timing as I was watching this. It was. Because as she's looking happened. up, seeing jets flying, and all <laughs> everyone, all the college students, you know, yeah. it's like, that's actually happening somewhere in the world right now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, even though alien invasion and other situations, oh, it's totally different. It's like, no, once the military gets involved, it's a scary time, yeah. no matter what. Once you start seeing the military jets flying around and you know it's not just a training exercise, yeah. like, Yeah, when she's in the parking crazy. lot, right? When she's walking yeah, out of the yeah. school and those jets just keep flying over their heads. Two of them. And then at her house again, two more fly by and it's yep. like, what are they going to do? Yeah, it's, it's, crazy. It's, it's, really, it's a really good way of building tension. Yeah. Because like, this is getting really serious. Because right? you don't know. Yeah. They took their time showing us the alien ship. Yeah. They took their time. Yeah. And it was... That suspense was just so, so well done. Yeah. But yeah, so realistic too. I think yeah. they portrayed that very well. So in the middle of her sleep, a helicopter shows up and yeah. Weber's like, uh, he says, um, what does he say? The word for war. A conflict, something like that. Something like an argument a, or something argument, like yeah, that. Yeah, something typical. And he's like, and what is your answer? What do you think? Yeah. And then she's like, um, the need for more cows. The need for more cows. Or yeah, something, something like that. Yeah, yeah. He's something like, all right, cows. pack your bags and let's pack go. Pack your bags, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but that's almost unfair. It's like she's probably studied Sanskrit and the other person probably hasn't. Yeah, so it's right. like, come on, does, does every linguistics professor speak fluent Sanskrit? Or I think it's more of a written language, but still, does every linguistic... Ancient Egyptian yeah, just and you're a linguist Sanskrit doesn't mean, and ancient whatever. Right, uh, just because you're a linguist doesn't mean you know every language. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. Anyways, but whatever, we'll, we'll let that go because this movie's really freaking good so she gets on and they move on and this is where we first meet jeremy renner yes uh his <laughs> character donnelly all of scientist. my notes the whole time he's jeremy renner i don't say his actual <laughs> name because i kept forgetting and i was like i don't freaking care he no. shows up and he's got his obvious you know well i'm a scientist and you're yeah. just a language person and your view of the world's wrong and i'm a man and you're a woman and it was like just this pretty dumb initial uh, action there was a there. playfulness to it though it was there like was 
he's he's kind of trying to break the ice a little bit. Yes. And be like, he's like, uh, my scientistly but it's wrong. Yes. role is more important than yours, nudge, nudge. But I don't know if he's being serious well, about it. Well, she right? didn't like it, but yeah. it's like, he doesn't know her. Of course, he wouldn't know what she likes or not. But also, as we reveal later on, he's just an awkward guy. Yeah. You know, maybe kinda he was weird. trying to break the ice, but he doesn't really. And they talk about it, too. He's like, you know, if I wasn't so antisocial, maybe I'd be married. Yeah. And she I, goes, I yeah, single. trust me, understanding how people communicate doesn't mean you you won't end up you single. won't be single yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, that I feel like it was maybe a, some of that too yeah but they definitely insert that conflict in there which is really important and even as it turns out later in the movie you hear her daughter talking about oh go ask your father he's the scientist you know right. there they are setting up a distinction between science and and language yeah and this is Jacques Lacan's mm. thing so yeah. Lacan talks about the the symbolic the real and the imaginary, right? And the imaginary is when you're a baby and then you go through the mirror stage and then you would start to interact with the real world, but you can only do so through the symbol, the symbolic, which is like the superego, the symbolic, right? And that's language, that's uh -huh. words, that's written writing, that's talking, it's all symbols, right? Every yeah. sound I make is just a, an audible symbol. Every chicken scratch I write on the paper, that's just a symbol, but you can read it and right. it has meaning, right? Because we attach meaning to exactly. it. Exactly. Right? Science doesn't care about that crap. Science is like, no, we're just in the real, right? We're only investigating the real. But what symbols do is they pair the real with the unseen imaginal world. Conceptual. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I put this a hundred times in my notes, but like the eidos, like Plato's eidos, or the collective unconscious, yeah. or the, um, what else, like just meaning, just general, just meaning, right? Because science doesn't give you meaning, but language can can pull meaning down and tie it to the real, right? In a beautiful <laughs> little knot, and that, that yeah. knot's the symbol, right? right. So it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's beautiful, and they're setting up that distinction here right from the get-go. They're like, okay, science and language, she may be a smart person who's gonna communicate with with aliens, but she is not a scientist. Yes, she is something else. She deals in an abstract realm yes. of um, of meaning, yeah. not of which is what you need solid matter to decipher a really, yes. really difficult language. Yes, and particularly script yeah. to try to pull meaning from when it's so complex and just totally right. opposite of any sort of written <laughs> language we have. Right? Well, you know, um, Jeremy Renner also says a little bit later on, he says, you know, you do language like a mathematician, yeah. right? And she's like, okay, I guess that's a compliment. But what the, a scientist can respect a mathematician because their theories work in the real world. Yeah. Uh, but mathematicians are dealing with symbols and yeah. meaning just the same way that linguists are, right? right. Math is, gosh, my nose, math is language, right? And, and so, but science will respect math more quickly than it will respect some of the other social sciences, right? Yeah. So, but uh, I, I just point out here, still no catch light in her eyes, even, you know, whatever's happening, even as she's approaching the, yeah. the alien thing, it's like mm -hmm. still no catch light. You she's know, still just zombie going through life. I'm gonna talk about that in a minute, lighting in particular. Because um, this is sort of a signature of Denis Villeneuve's style. Oh yeah. Um, but I'll talk about that when they actually get into where the aliens are at. Okay, cool. If I don't, remind me to talk about that. Um, so anyways, they arrive at the base. I really like that shot. <clears throat> where they're flying over because there's just cars piled up like for miles and yes. people camping out. That was a border. And there's a huge a like border, border wall yep. that the military has set up and they're all just yeah. stopped right at this line. Yep. And they're just flying past the and they've written like welcome on the sides of buildings and trucks yeah. and things like that, right? All these people are Everyone's just, trying to get to the thing yeah, to see. See what yeah. it is. 
and they fly over that and they arrive at the base, they get their, uh, you know, their booster shots and things like that. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, start to get debriefed on what's going on. They, they kind of introduce you to the, the, the data command center where they're in, co they're in contact with all the other countries that are also the sites where the other ships are located. So they're, they're trying to share data and information yeah. between the other sites. This is what we've There's learned. There's a bunch of what Skype, have you learned? Skype they're all, calls. Yeah, they're yeah, all yeah. collaborating yes. on the, what they're learning about the aliens. Yes. So everybody, the whole world is united on trying yeah. to like figure out what they want. What yep. do these aliens, why are they here? And everybody's talking to each other from Australia to China to uh, Middle East, I mean, like everywhere. Yeah. I think it's Pakistan in particular. Pakistan, where one of, yeah, one of and them Russia. And yeah. Russia, like uh, they're all talking, right? Um, and so like she kind of walks in and she sees this and so it's kind of introducing you to the kind of the whole setup for this. But they're like, basically, you're about to go in right now and meet the aliens. It's like yes. really quick turnaround. Like, oh, there's very not a quick. lot of briefing. I remember I checked the, the runtime at the moment that we started to meet the aliens, it was like 20 minutes in. Like yeah. they get through this very quickly yeah. and they cram a lot of meaning and a lot of like really good stuff in, in a short period of time. Yeah. Despite being so slow and deliberate with all of their shots and lingering on characters' faces, like they're really kind of cruising through this. Yeah. And we also see the ship for the first time. I, I really, what this reminded me of, um, there's been a couple of, times in my life where I went through like a really uncertain sort of transitory big life change kind of thing where you're feeling very uncomfortable and unsure about what's yeah. gonna happen next. One oh, was when yeah. I served yeah. my mission, right? So oh, sure. you go to yeah, the yeah. MTC and, and you're like, what's and you're like oh man, where am I gonna live tomorrow? You don't know what to expect. Who's gonna be my roommate? Uh, what is my schedule gonna be like? You don't know yeah, any of this. Yeah, yeah. And you, you want, the desire is to be slowly briefed into yes, this. Yeah, yeah. First day, just relax. <laughs> get a hold <laughs> on what's going it. on. Yeah. That's not the way it works. No, nope. And even when I went into the field, it was like, they had me out proselyting like hours within arriving. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's so off-putting and uncomfortable. It's like, oh, oh yeah. my gosh, I don't, it's so tense and urgent. Oh, yeah. That's what this felt like. It was like they you didn't even what, give them a chance to rest or like collaborate with other people and get debriefed really well or like, hey, why don't you sit down and make a plan for what you're going to do? Yeah. It was like, okay, it's time to go meet the aliens now. Like, <laughs> whoa, what? <laughs> you, you know what, though, since you bring up the Missionary Training Center, um, specifically as it relates to learning languages. Yes. Immersion. Yes. That's how you that's do it. That's how you so get So you get thrown right into the fire. Yeah. Like just boom, right there. And that's how you learn languages. And that's maybe to some degree a loose connection with what they're doing here. But yeah. that's it. If you want to learn language, you go there. You don't go sit Go talk chill. to the aliens. Yeah. You go immerse yourself. Yeah. Go be in, go live in their, in their language and their culture. Yeah. Um, so they go like right away and they go yeah. in there and this I, is a one, one last note sequence. on okay, their way ahead. up because everything she does, everywhere she goes, there's a radio on yeah. that's telling you, be panicked, be oh, panicked, right. freak out, yes. be panicked. And the she, news. Yep. she is so not panicked. Yeah. Like movies, it, one of the, um, few things that I could say movies are all about this or that. It's like, they're all about theme. They're all about, but artistry in general is almost exclusively about contrast, yeah. right? Everything is contrast, that's how we see is contrast. If two things are the same color, even if they're two things, we can't distinguish them if they overlap, right? right. There, there has to be contrast so that we can see the lines and define categories, right? So, but the contrast can be done in many different ways. You can do contrast on an image, mm. right? You can do your S-curve, you can sharpen an image, you can do contrast with colors, but you can also do contrast just through the atmosphere of 
what you're seeing versus the, I guess it would be like a... The tone. Yeah, the, the tone yeah. versus what you're, what you're hearing, right? You're hearing be panicked and you're seeing don't panic. Yeah. Don't panic. Now's not the time to panic, to be calm. Yeah. And it's, it has a strange effect on you because what you're hearing and seeing, there's an incongruency there and that's really impactful mm-hmm. for, for artistry specifically to play on that contrast. It's yeah. beautiful. And this is where... I, I think this whole sequence of where they go into the ship and meet the aliens yeah. for the first time is probably the most brilliant sequence of the movie. <laughs> it's um, really good. Because like yeah. you're saying, she's not panicked. Not at she's all. very unsettled. Oh, and sure. Unsure. And, and she still has the black in her eyes, yeah. which not every character has that, by the way. Yeah. Because they, <coughs> they're wearing those hazmat suits and there's a light on, mm-hmm. especially as they first approach the ship, right? Um, and <laughs> as they're getting close to like, as the thing opens. Um, like the Forrest Whitaker and Jeremy Renner characters have lights on and you and that it's catching in their eyes and they're looking up and they're she her lights off. Yeah. And she's looking up but her face is dark and her eyes are dark. Yeah. And she's still trying to figure out what's going on but she doesn't know what to expect. The the life isn't there yet. So this is a signature. There's three things that Denny Villeneuve does across all of his films. Yeah. To show that a character is either off balance or um, uneasy or something yeah. like that. His use of light and the way he uses the camera, but in two particular ways. He will kind of ignore the rule of thirds, oh, which yeah. is where um, typically if a character, whatever direction the camera's looking, let's say it's to the, the left side of the screen, um, you would divide the, the into horizontal and vertical lines, right? Dis, dis, divide the frame into thirds. So they have nine little boxes. Right. Yeah. And so what you would do is you would put the character on the right, if she's looking left, you would put her on the left thir- or the right third so that the space is in front of her, right? She's yeah. looking into the space. Yeah. What you typically don't do is put her onto the left side, looking left, and have all this empty space behind, behind the character. This, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. But he does this all the time yeah. when a character's off balance. He's, he puts them all over the frame in these really yeah. awkward positions. That's so cool. if you notice when she came home on the first day the aliens invaded, mm. the, the frame of her house has her way down here and there's yeah. all this empty space above her and she's like off center, like way small down here in the bottom of the frame. And her head is like way down here in like the lower third and all this nothing is happening in the top oh. part of the, sp- of the screen. Nice, nice. Um, when they're having the conversation in the helicopter, mm-hmm. um, they're always on the third, but with the space in the behind them instead yeah. of in front of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like also, a, closed, a closed way of doing it. Also, he will almost totally obscure subjects in his lighting. There's like very minimal, very dark frames. Um, yeah. Again, when she's at home, like there's the, the light, it, it's like almost like total dusk lighting outside. Yeah, yeah. And all the light is coming from outside and she's just completely black silhouette in her house. Right, and so yes, like. Yes, yep. she's the, his They use do that light, a lot. Yeah. That she, wherever the light is, it's behind her. Yes. The light is behind her and she's facing away from it. Right. Almost Totally obscuring time. her in darkness. Like yep. you're saying, in the eyes yep. all the time, but then in a lot of frames, just there's just no light on her at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does this in Enemy a ton, and he does this yeah. in Incendies too. He, he does it in all of his movies. It's his way of sort of putting that character off balance. But another thing he does a lot is inverted camera angles. And this oh, is what yeah. he does when they arrive yes. in the, the play on gravity yes. inside of oh, the shell it. itself. I bet right? that it reminds me of um, 2001 Space Odyssey yeah. a little bit as they're walking in because the scale is just 
crazy. You don't even know what you're looking at. You know, you don't know what to expect. And he plays with you there. Yeah. So they 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 they're kind of like they're on a I don't know what that tool or that machine is called, but it sort of like raises them up and into just a jack. Yeah. It, it, like there's an opening that happens yep. in the ship. Oh, so this is probably something to mention. It's like every 18 hours, <coughs> it takes 18 hours for the aliens to restore the atmosphere the oxygen, that humans yeah. can yeah. live in, and then they have to kick them out for 18 hours so they can restore yeah. it again. Then they come. So every 18 hours, they're going back in for a short while to converse, and then they're kicked out. Yep. And then so that's kind of like the schedule that they're on, right? So they go analyze for 18 hours. They go back in and talk. They go out and analyze for 18 hours. Sleep for maybe a couple hours. Go back in. Yeah, that's kind of like the cycle that they're on. So they're 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 put into there, but then at a certain point, like gravity changes, and they're sort of almost like floating, right? Yeah, that's crazy. And then they they push off, and then the gravity takes them and like puts them so that they're almost like perpendicular or like sideways yep. walking, right? But they're walking upwards. Right. Yeah. But it's like, so these aliens have the technology to manipulate gravity like this. And then by the time they actually walk in, you know, it's so unsettling and you don't know what's going to happen. It's like the music is really loud there and they're just oh, upside they down. they got trombones and freaking bagpipes yeah. and like all kinds of instruments. Very loud here. instruments. Very loud and very... Oh, very, very good. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. But some of the instruments, it sounds like the Horn of Gondor yeah. a little bit. You know, it's like yeah. they're using old instruments yeah. here. In fact, um, well, this is one of my notes here that there's a canary, right? Yes. They bring a canary. Which, which the is they do in, like, in coal mines. Yes, well, yeah. at least what they used to do yes. <laughs> 200 years ago. But this is the point. Well, 100 years ago. Um, the point is they're really low-tech when it comes to communicating with these aliens. Mm -hmm. You would think, oh, we're high tech and they're higher tech. We need to keep raising up to get, but it's like, no, no, you, they're here and we're over here. Yeah. W but we need to go down and find a basic point, common point. a common point, which yeah. is basically caveman, right? Like we're <laughs> going backwards. You have to go backwards to then build up Right. And get back up to that level, especially it, particularly with, when it comes to language, because you're learning yes. a new language. It's like you're going back to elementary school or something to learn how to read and write again. Right? Yes, yeah. yes. And so you have to go back to canary in the coal mine. It's like, well, we don't have the technology to do this, so we're relying on old technology, which is a bird in a cage, to determine whether yeah. or not it's safe to be here. Right, because the bird it's will crazy. suffer a suffocation yep. before a human way would. quicker. Yeah, and so if the bird starts to freak out or dies, or if it then dies, you know, okay, we got to get out. Get out because it's dangerous. There's yep. a there's a toxic a toxic yep. air or. There's not enough oxygen down here or whatever it might be. That is what the canary in the coal mine is. But right. it's just so funny that they have to rely on these old ancient methods. And that's what's, that's what's happening throughout this, this uh, movie. It's beautiful. Yeah, so they, they walk into the room and they're, 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 it's a totally inverted camera angle. They're upside on down. On top, yeah. Right. And so like these are his ways of putting the characters and the audience off balance. right? Yep. And he does it in literally every single one of his movies. Those three nice. particular things. The, the really dark, obscured silhouetted almost lighting yeah the off-center camera angles and then the inverted camera angles nice nice um it's all over his style um and so but once we get to that light <clears throat> that's where you finally see her eyes that's yes. where the first time you see the light in her eyes and it, it is if if it uh, reflects on her personality too she brightens up and she's very like awestruck and she's excited about it you know yeah. you can actually see the light come in her eyes it's beautiful and basically all it is at this point is like they they make some very Again, the aliens are very loud and the sounds they make are almost predatory. They're kind of like a growl or something. 
like um, and it's very like frightening and, yeah. and just you know kind of disarming yeah. and shocking. And it's like, okay, do your job now. And she's like, Ugh. but I love how it just Start cuts away. We don't see what happened. We rarely do actually. And it just cuts to yeah. the aftermath of like, like obviously what they didn't get that? anything done right. because it was like such yeah. a shocking thing. And as they're going around and you hear, you, you get to eavesdrop a little on the Australians and some of the others and they're all saying we got nothing. Like yeah. no one can talk to these things at all. But as they're like decontaminating or whatever, right? And she's just like in shock and they're just totally, totally shell-shocked by this experience. He tells them to you know, get to work on a certain thing and then by oh, 0200 hours or whatever he says, uh, be ready. Be ready for what? You're going back in. You're going, it's back. A, you're going to do it again. Over this and is, over this and is over. Yeah. Get with the program. <coughs> this yep. is urgent. You've got you to figure this out as yeah. soon as possible. So there's no time to rest kind of thing, right? And then, so really, really great no, sequence. Great. <laughs> I remember too, they use the vertigo shot when they get inside of it, but it's the mm. slowest vertigo shot I've ever seen where they're, uh, for people who don't know, when the camera pushes forward but zooms out. Oh, yeah. Slowly. And it condenses space yeah. in a weird way. And it's like when Frodo is looking at the Lord, at the ring wraiths in the trail. Get off the road. That yeah, whole yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So David, that shot was used, but it was really slow in Arrival. And um, it's, but it's off-putting. It's David, David Fincher uses this to great effect in um, Panic Room. Did you ever see the movie I did, Panic but Room? it's been a long time. So <laughs> she's, she has claustrophobia, right? Yes, so the movie is yeah, about remember, a person with claustrophobia that. locked in oh, a But panic I can't room. remember the camera moves, you know? So in the, in the early going, they, they really tighten the space by zooming in on her. So it's like the space around is sort of like, yeah. like tightening in on her yeah, and, and to in. show that she's panicking. But at the end of the movie, they use that shot where she stays the same size in the frame, but the it the opens, background opens, nice. everything opens up, and she's Beautiful. like she's freed from the phobia of it, you know. Yeah. Um, so that you can use that in reverse. So yeah. if, in Lord of the Rings, it's like the space is condensing on yes, Frodo, it's and it's becoming. Yeah, yeah. But you can use it the other way too, where it's opening up, and that's kind of what they do to lengthen this like hallway that they're coming into, right? Yeah. As they're walking into the so ship. So creepy. So creepy. Really, really good use of that. Um, and the soundtrack is freaking so good. Yep. Also, I have to mention just briefly, I read <clears throat> a book that I recommend everybody if you care about this movie at all. Um, there's a book that I read called Project Hail Mary. I didn't realize it's actually really popular. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. like a really, everyone's reading that book right now. Um, and I had no idea. I just, it was recommended, so I read it. But it's similar themed and uh, does things in a different way, but a, a really good book. I just want to throw that out there to anyone who likes this, but I don't want to spoil that book, so we're not going to. I, I, took a, I took a note here that I really love this script. Like this, as, like a, as a written language, this oh, yeah. script is so cool and sufficiently alien and yep. just like intimidating to even try to start trying yes. to put meaning to it. Because it's this inky blot, like ink blot look to it. But like every little line could mean yeah, something else. Exactly. And it's like, how do you classify that little curl off of that and like it's so complex right and it's like how do you even go about yeah. trying to assign meaning to that symbol yeah because it, it's so complicated <laughs> yeah it's crazy and so i loved that I, I thought it was such a great design and it really works into the whole concept of like the non-linear time and the yes. end meeting wow. the beginning thing there's but. another camera thing they do here that shows that so <laughs> yeah. as she's walking through she's got that crazy baggy suit right well they give us one shot POV shot from her view looking out and she's looking through the suit but yeah. her view is warped because uh, the suit right. it makes everything look the instead of straight lines everything's curved and warply right. and weird right mm -hmm. so it's affecting her 
her the way that she sees, but I think it's a general idea of showing her perspective just in general. Her perspective is is slightly warped. It's different, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, there's great symbolism there too. Yeah, super good. So let's see. Yeah, um, so uh, this is where I, I put a note there. about Weber being uh, a, a character to, as a stand-in for the dumb people in the audience because she comes in with a list of like vocab words, right? And he's looking at it and he's like, these are great school words. Like, what, why, what was this all about, right? And she has to explain to him so like dumb. the nature, like the complex yeah. nature of even simple questions. So she writes on the board, why, what, why did what you is your Earth? purpose here yeah, yeah. or something like that? Yeah, what is your purpose? She's like, Earth? we have to make sure they understand the concept of a question yes. to begin with. Yes, which is not a given. The subject being clear, not not like a, a specific you, Joe Alien, but you is in all, all of, of you. you. Why yeah. are you here? Like she breaks it all down. And I, I, I guess I understand the need to do that because yeah. we take for granted even like uh, how complex a simple question like that is. Yeah. Because we we grew up a whole life speaking the language, it's just yeah, it's just why you're here. Easy to us, right? <laughs> it's it obvious. takes our brain no time to process that. Now I would have done this very differently, though. Sure. Now the way she explains it is fine, like whatever. But when she shows up there, do you remember the first word that she writes? Uh, her name, or was it humanity? Her human. 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 Yeah. 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 I wouldn't have started with that. <laughs> Probably not. Probably <laughs> I would not. have started, and this is funny because there's a quote earlier on from Jeremy Renner that says, um, you, maybe we should try talk to, talking to them first before we throw math problems at them, right? Yeah. Something like that. Talk to them before throwing math problems at them. But honestly, what I would have done is math. One, two, three, right? One, and then make a sound for one, and then show them tally points, two, and then tap twice, and, yeah. and then do three, and then tap three times yeah. and, and see what they do in response to that. They will start to see how your writing works with this numbers. This is a fantastic point, yes. Yeah, but she starts out with the word human and I'm like, oh my gosh. That's so complex. Have you ever taught language to anyone ever? Yeah. That is, that is, you, that is far beyond, you, you can establish, if you establish numbers first, you can establish math and time. You yes. can, well, okay, the time thing is actually an issue <laughs> here, which is maybe why they didn't want to go that way. Uh, but there's several things that you can um, manage, that you can establish, where you can communicate with numbers before you start. And then when you do, I'm just, well, I don't know yeah. that you should start on the word human. I don't I, know that that's a good point. I thought about this too on that line. Before we throw math problems at them, let's talk to them first. Is it, they, they, they one plus one on, is two. Is, that should be where it starts. The Voyager two yes. has like a little data. Yes, thing the golden on disc. It. Yeah, yes. the golden disc on yes. there, right? And basically, it uses mathematics. Yes. It's geometry to communicate and it's math yep. where yes. this came from. Yes, and that's part the type of people that are there. What I'm thinking and yeah. what the culture is like. Yes, and you can do that with lines that have mathematical meaning and with numbers and. That, yeah. that would be the first thing that you could yeah. do with another advanced civilization who would have also figured out mathematics to start to have commonality and communicate. Yeah. Math would be the first place to go. <laughs> not, not human. <laughs> yeah. yeah, anyways, anyways. And what, what they did worked for the movie, fine. But um, if any of you find yourselves in this position, uh, try math first. If you are talking to someone you've never talked to and you don't know their language and there is no technology and you can't figure it out, start with math. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Let's keep going. Okay, so anyways, explains oh. the complex nature of simple questions. Go ahead. Sorry, you keep going. Um, anyways, I just put here, 
it feels like, you know, feels like they're just uh, pandering to the lowest common denominator with that. Yes. Um, but go ahead with whatever you were going to say there. Well, I'm, get, I'm going back into the ship now. Okay, at yeah. The next so, point, so you my, can... my only next, my next uh, uh, note here was about Abbott and Costello. Oh, yes, yes. When they named the aliens, right? Um, which was a comedy duo back in the 1940s They and were 50s. funny, too. Yeah. And they did some physical comedy stuff that's yeah, great. Yeah, so I think they're the who's on third. And Yes, yeah. that, that was, that was so a really, fun, um, man. So fun. really kind of fun name that they did for the two aliens, right? Yeah, but yeah. In that scene, that's, this is where she tries taking off the hazmat suit, letting them see her face, and trying to use names instead. I'm yeah. Luis. I'm Ian. Yeah. What is your name? What is your name? She points at them. Yeah. This starts to. This is kind of the first breakthrough where they actually communicate for real for the first yeah, time, yeah. right? And they they use their ink blot to like give their names. And, and that's okay, cool. They, they that's have cool. names, okay? Like there's some common ground there, like they they some commonality. Like they see themselves as individuals and they have names and things. Yes, like, yes, which right? is which is important. Yeah. So that was pretty. That's insane. cool. As soon as that ink blot mm. shows up, <coughs> my note here is, wow, one point for Eric Neumann. He claimed that the central symbol of life and meaning in the world was the Ouroboros, yes. right? And as soon as, I, and I know this was intentional because of things that happened later. At first I was like, that's an Ouroboros, but I wonder if they meant for it to be an Ouroboros. Yeah. Um, but if, it, to those who don't know, Ouroboros is the snake eating its tail. Eric Neumann claims that is the central symbol of humanity. It represents many things. One of them is time, and it's the infinity symbol, which is timeless or whatever, but it's a loop. It's, a, it's an eternal circle that has no beginning or end, right? The first symbol of aliens was an Ouroboros-like symbol. I can't believe no one thought of that before this point, though. I guess it's only been like three or four days, though. Like, yeah. it's, it's funny for me to think, like, oh, come on, they, they should have figured out writing. Like, writing? Like, nobody had tried writing and showing them a writing. Yeah. But it's only been three, it's only been a couple days. So yeah. I, I, <clears throat> I shouldn't be too critical about that, but there are two ways that we communicate with language, speaking and writing. Yeah. So... If they, they, everyone's trying to talk and not one person has tried to write a thing yet. And this was something that was really interesting on that point real quick that I actually questioned from the moment Weber showed up in her office with the recording of the alien noises. Yeah. The assumption that their speaking and writing are correlated. Like yeah. what they write and they have words that they speak and that's also their, the way that we do, right? Yes. We, have a, we have a word, a spoken word that we represent with symbols. Yes, and then the, the symbol, the letter K, doesn't just mean K, it also means the sound. K. Yes. But they aren't like that. I questioned from the start when really? he showed her that thing. I was like, how do you know that they're speaking? that they're speaking and they're writing are the same thing anyway. Right, that's Why good, are you making that assumption from think, the start? I didn't even think of that <laughs> until We don't know anything about these things. What they, yes. what they vocalize Any, might not be a yeah. language at all. Right, right. right. Yeah, like that they, could be their engine like failing. <laughs> <laughs> or, or it just might be some sort of primitive, instinctual, some other maybe even uh, biological function <laughs> or something like that, that, yeah, that yeah. They, they are not communicating right. with the noises they you're make. Right, they right. communicate with their written language. So it's cave scratches, but now they have something to work on. And everyone's like, breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough. Write words. Mm -hmm. Don't talk. Yes. <laughs> kind, kind of a breakthrough, but you know, that's fine. Whatever. Yep. It was big for them. So then I, I bring up Lacan's theory here of the real imaginary and the symbolic and the symbolic. I, I, I want to modify Lacan's theory a little bit because I think the symbolic is 
issue instead because Lacan kind of put them in three separate categories. Mm. Here's the well, they kind of overlap a little bit in like a Venn diagram, but the real and imaginary, and then the symbolic is like over here, right? I think it would actually make a little more sense for the symbolic to kind of be in between the real and the imaginary, at least in terms of language, because language is the medium. Symbols are the medium by which the imaginary and the real can have anything to do with each other, right? Yeah. So I, I just figured I'd bring that up because I think that's actually really important here, that the, the, um, the symbol is what ties together the meaning with, the, with matter. Yeah. Um, my next note is uh, that this, this is the first time in the movie at this point that Louise is having memories, memories of uh, her daughter. Yes. Did they come so in brief Since the flashes. very first, like literally the beginning of the movie, <coughs> we haven't yeah. seen her daughter again. But she's, she's having like these flashbacks of sorts. And this is one of the more brilliant things about watching a movie on a second time. Yeah. Her facial, her acting, her, her facial like responses to this can be read two completely different ways That's based on what you know about time in this movie. That's crazy. So you're seeing it for the first time, it looks like she's having this mournful, sad memory of her daughter who passed away, we mm -hmm. believe, years before this time. On rewatching it, it's like she's confused as to what she's even seeing at all. She's seeing images and feeling like she's having memories of something that she doesn't, that hasn't happened yet at all. And it's like, what is happening to me? <laughs> yeah, and you can, you can read that facial expression two very that's different so ways. Funny, wow. It's a very brilliant performance from her. And she does it all throughout the movie. And it really sells that like build up to the reveal, like kind of the twist of the movie, right? Where you think, She's seeing memories, but she's actually seeing the future. She's seeing into the future. Yeah. yeah. And, and this yeah. all stems from the, uh, and pr you probably made notes on this, the, the, I think it's Sapir or Sapir Wharf theory. Oh, yeah. About the, the language you speak like affects your perception of the yes. world. And she brings that up because Jeremy Renner asks her about that. Yeah. Says, hey, um, you know, do you, can, have you dreamt then that language yet? Yes. Actually, was that that was a dream when he came to yeah, ask her that? Was a was dream. A, he was, was a dream. She was having a dream <coughs> about it at the time. <laughs> oh, that was crazy. Uh, but yeah. anyways, he asked her, "Hey, have you started dreaming?" And you know, because your perception of reality would change, you can rewire your brain through language, mm -hmm. and that depending on how you speak a language, the reason it's still only a theory is because it, it's been shown that that can affect things in certain ways. But it, yeah, but that um, it's not as our perceptions as exactly, they were making it. Our seem. perceptions are still pretty dang similar yeah. and aren't completely colored by language, but they can be. Yeah, they can be, and specifically, maybe not your perceptions of reality, but for sure your perceptions of the imaginary realm of well, the forms and of the meaning good examples would be um, using like masculine uh, a masculine form for inanimate objects in one language versus another language using the opposite oh, yes so maybe yeah. in German a yeah. bridge is a very feminine uh, they, they view it as a feminine thing because they yeah. use a feminine form of the word or something but in like Spanish it's a masculine form sure so like sometimes in, they in flip small like that. ways yeah. you would view the concept of bridge differently yeah. based on the culture and language you used growing up. But it's not so complete as to where you're seeing colors differently or exactly, <laughs> something like exactly. that, right? Exactly, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, anyways, still a really, really fascinating concept that in this movie does apply specifically to the alien's language. Yes. Understanding the alien's language changes your perception of time. Of, uh, yes, exactly. Completely. Exactly. 
Um, yep. So really, really cool. Uh, so what she shows here is that language isn't scientific uh, and it's not only a part of the material world. It also connects the world above. Uh, so in order to communicate, she keeps entering the world of her dreams to find the meaning. Now, I don't know if that note's correct after understanding what her dreams mean in the end. Oh. Um, but at least at this point, like when they're communicating with her, she's having more flashbacks while she's talking to them Yes. sometimes. And then she's seeing these images because she doesn't, uh, like she's kind of getting how their language works, but she doesn't quite get it yet because her mind is still applying it to to the real, to her own life, basically, to her own future or past. Um, and so she's seeing the images of what they're conveying, but she's applying it in a different way. I don't know, and she just doesn't know what any of it means, right? Yeah, right. But um, she's entering the world of her dreams to find meaning, which is the imaginary realm, anyways. Yeah. Um, Lots more tilts up now. Yeah, We're seeing up. lots of tilts up. No more tilt downs, all tilt ups. I really like this um, voiceover they do here. I think this is really effective. So they have Jeremy Renner's character, Donnelly, Ian Donnelly, doing the voiceover here, where they kind of shift to more of the scientific view on this stuff. Because right oh, now yeah. we've been seeing mostly her. It's like a documentary. Yeah, and, yeah, and it's a good it's a good way fun. to do the montage sequence so we can skip yeah, yeah. ahead a little bit yeah, and okay. see they've made progress in these ways and we don't have to get bogged down mm. by that too much and the pacing can keep moving. So he describes the term heptapod, which is what they call them. You know, hepta being seven, pod being foot, seven yes. feet, heptapod. Seven feet. That's also their, each foot has seven fingers. Yes. Right? So there's a seven times seven. There's some, anyways, there's some spiritual meaning <laughs> to the what they are and what their limbs represent and all of that. They're kind of like gods, you could say. Yeah, I kind of took down his, his dialogue here. It says, uh, who are they? Trying to answer this in any meaningful way is hampered by the fact that outside of being able to see them and hear them, the heptapods leave absolutely no footprint. The chemical composition of their spaceship is unknown. The shells emit no waste, no gas, no radiation. Assuming that the shells communicate with each other, they do so without detection. The air between the shells is untroubled by sonic emission or light wave. Are they scientists or tourists? If they're scientists, they don't seem to ask a lot of questions. Why did they park where they did? The world's most decorated experts can't crack that one. The most plausible theory is that they chose places on Earth with the lowest incidence of lightning strikes, but there are exceptions. The next most plausible theory is that Sheena Easton had a hit song at each of these sites in 1980. <laughs> so we just don't know. <laughs> How do I they? Love that. It's great. It's it's a very sciency way know. of uh, and ha, take that scientists. science comedy way yeah, yeah, of yeah, like sure. making a joke, right? Yes, like kind of a highbrow joke there. <laughs> How do they communicate? Here, uh, Luis is putting all of us to shame. The first breakthrough was to discover that there's no correlation between what the heptapod says and what the heptapod writes, mm -hmm. which is, I, I felt so proud of myself from yeah. the very beginning, the first nice, time I saw it, nice. being like, dude, you can't just assume that those you two can't. things are the same. We, we make too many assumptions <laughs> when it comes to that stuff. Yeah. And yeah, you can't just do that. Nice. Uh, unlike all written human languages, their writing is semi-sciographic. So this, um, I think I put down what that means. I put like a note here, hold on. Uh, yeah, here it is. So, semi-sciography, it's a Greek term, um, is writing with signs, a non-phonetic based technique to communicate information without the necessary intercession of forms of speech. Hmm. So it just means you have a symbol to communicate yeah, yeah. that does not have a, a phonetic word attached it to could, it. Right? It could be said that that's just art. Sure. That art is that. It, it, it doesn't mean a word, but it means a feeling. You can still 
get a story out of it. Yeah, it means written symbols and languages that are not based on spoken words. Cool. So that's what he's referring to with that. That's what the alien's language is. I Did I click on a thing? Episode one. This is Frozen the other Kids. one. This is the one I want. Okay. Um, it conveys meaning. It doesn't represent sound. Yeah. Perhaps they view our form of writing as a wasted opportunity, passing up a second communications channel. We have our friends in Pakistan to thank for their study of how heptapods write because unlike speech, a logogram is free of time. This is, again, they're sort of subtly dropping hints about the way time works in this movie. Yeah. From the opening uh, monologue at the very beginning of the movie all the way to now, it's just like the way that they subtly drop those hints, you, you're not just gonna assume or mm. like figure it out, but like it all, it's, it's breadcrumbs that just come together beautifully. So I looked up what logogram is as well. Um, so a logogram is a sign or character representing a word or a phrase, such as those used in shorthand in some uh, writing systems. So kanji, mm, kanji would be would a be like logogram because yeah. like a whole phrase kanji. or word can be represented with one symbol. Yeah, right? that's funny. It's got this picture in there. Oh, yes, <laughs> exactly, from, from Arrival right yeah. there. But yeah, like kanji, it would, would be a logogram, right? So that's... Yep. That's what they're referring to with that um, nice. that phrase. Uh, like their ship or their bodies, their written language has no forward or backward direction. Linguists call this nonlinear or, uh, orthography, which raises the question, is this how they think? So they're like subtly yeah. like l figuring this out without reaching the conclusion yet. Yeah. So the, the way that they write is a reflection of how they think. Yeah. They don't think linearly. They don't experience time linearly. So the, the way that they formed their language is in line with how they developed or how they evolved as a species. So, be, so that is why they write the way they do. Why that Ouroboros sign that there's no beginning or end yeah. is the way that their language evolved is because that's how they experience time to begin with, right? Yeah. Super cool idea, just really cool. Um, Imagine you wanted to write a sentence using two hands, starting from either side. So writing back and forth like this yes. to the middle. You would, uh, you would have to know each word you wanted to use, as well as how much space they would occupy. A heptapod can write complex sentences in two seconds effortlessly. It's taken us a month to make the simplest reply. Next, expanding vocabulary. Louise thinks it can... Uh, it, it could easily take another month to be ready for that. So they're basically just right now at this point, they, they've figured out how to mm -hmm. write to each other, but now it's just you gotta learn vocab, right? That's yeah, like yeah. the next step of learning a language, okay? Sure I understand how words. the language yep, works. Yep, yep. Now I just gotta f memorize a million words. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So that we can talk to each other, right? Um, so that's kind of what they're doing now. Yeah. Ignore that. Um, Again, I, I put a note here about, you know, they're, they're doing a pretty good use of political personas doing the fear-mongering, right? We have yeah, yeah. a soldier in the camp who's beginning to be affected by it. Yep. Um, he's listening to a, I would liken it to maybe like a Rush Limbaugh type That's what it, they right? me meant for it to yeah. sound like. <laughs> and they took another dig at Fox News earlier as well. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well. Whatever. So anyways, um, yeah, he's starting to get worried. He, his wife is calling him panicking. Our, you know, their daughter's like worried that the monsters are gonna kill their daddy kind of yes, thing. Yes. He's getting more and more paranoid. 
-hmm. And he's he's actually one of the guys who's with them when they yeah. go up there. He's like the guy filming it basically. Yeah. So he's observing all this and he's just getting more and more like, I gotta do something about this. This isn't yep. gonna be good. We're gonna die. You know. He so it's starting to see the seeds of that blossoming, right? Um, uh, we see more memories of her daughter, right? Again, her facial expression be read two totally different ways based on your assumption of the chronology of this movie. <laughs> um, so this is where, this is the dream sequence where Ian says, you know, I was doing some reading about this idea that if you immerse yourself in a foreign language, then you can actually rewire your brain. Yeah. And she says the sapir or the sapir wharf hypothesis, right. the theory that it's a theory that the language you speak determines how you think. I love the, the dialogue here. It's written with purposeful uhs and pauses and like things like that that are very natural parts of speech, right? right? That's, yeah. You wouldn't write like right. that. No, no, no. <laughs> but it's, it's, it comes very natural. This is the way that you do realistic dialogue, right? But without um, all of the repetition and the things that make a conversation go for seven hours or whatever. We don't have seven hours to sit here, or I guess a more realistic number. You go visit a friend, you're gonna have like a two hour conversation, three hour yeah. conversation. That's like the length of a whole movie, right? So right, we, got, yeah, yeah. we can't write the way that people talk that extends yeah. ex uh, uh, conversations forever. But I like at least doing this, these, these interjections of uh, it, pause, you know, like. Yeah, so, so the way great. the way that, he said his line was, you know, I was doing some reading um, about this idea that if you immerse yourself in a language, then you can rewire your brain. And she says, the theory that uh, it, it's the theory that uh, the language you speak determines how you think. And so like, yeah, I yeah. love that, like really natural dialogue. Comes across very convincingly. Yeah. yeah, it affects how you see everything. It was, uh, I'm curious, are you dreaming in their language? Uh, I may have had a few dreams, but I don't, I don't think that makes me unfit to do this job. And this is really cool because she's not yeah. saying it to him. She turns and like says it over here to something we haven't seen on screen. Yeah. And there's a heptapod in the room and it's, it's like, oh, right she's dreaming there. right now. It's just right there. <laughs> yes, really she is cool having way. dreams about it. Really cool way to reveal that this was a dream and there's yeah. something off about it, right? Yeah. I, I, really nice. Um, so yeah, she is having dreams. Um, let's see, my next note. Oh, oh, they also, Another thing that made that kind of dreamlike strangeness was as she was talking, the bird kept chirping. Oh, so yes. she's, she's like responding to him, but you keep hearing that canary bird yeah, chirping yeah. around and it's really loud. And I was yeah. like, oh, what's the, what's the bird doing there? And it's like, oh, because she's up there yeah. in that room so much with a bird chirping and talking to aliens. Every it's now time becoming they're there, the bird is a part of the dream. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was really cool. It was really well. I have another take on that bird a little bit later. Okay. Um, My next note is when they're in the truck together, just kind of talking. But it's where, it's that conversation. My next note, I, I wrote an uh, interesting idea that using a game to converse with aliens would lead to big misunderstandings. So this is... Oh, then you're past this. Then. Okay, go ahead. So I d just mentioning that he, this is the part where he says, yeah, well, I'm single. I don't like oh, to talk right. much. And <clears throat> she says, yeah, well, I understand everything about how people talk and I'm still single too. Yeah. Um, but it's it's beautiful once again contrast right contrast that she understands how people communicate but she's not very good at it mm -hmm. herself and she doesn't like to do it yeah but she likes to learn about how to do it but she doesn't like to do it yeah right I think that's fascinating but that's yes. a beautiful it's almost like a dissonance 
within her mind, and what, but it, it creates a contrast within the film. This is true of therapists, uh, particularly psychologists and things like that too, right? Yeah. They study and they know how to like yes. break but down then, a person, but they, yes. they have really messy relationships themselves yes. and yes. problems that they have a hard I time know, working through. I know a, a woman who went to marriage therapy, divorced her husband, married her marriage therapist. Oh my gosh. Who then divorced? Who or who divorced his wife previously as well? That's messed up. Isn't that weird? <laughs> That's really messed up. Probably the worst marriage therapist in the that's world. That's kind of what we're talking about. I hope with, he doesn't um, watch this podcast. <laughs> that's that's what we were kind of talking about in Mass Effect with the commander. Uh, yes, where it's like relationship this, with you're the, the leader. Yeah, isn't there a power dynamic here? That's, that, that's like a very little, inappropriate. You yeah, know? it's like unfair. It's you know, it's unfair. It's stupid. Yeah. Anyways, the therapists aren't always the best at internalizing their own their mm-hmm. own therapy. Yeah. So was that okay. all for that? So then, yeah, we're next yeah. on your prime. So My we, next note we learn is the dream here that China, in particular, the Chinese, in with their they heptopods, did games. We used games to try to yes. communicate. Yes. And I wanted to get your feeling I have on, thoughts this on this because that yeah. came across to me as being a very weird way to do it. It's I, it, it's it's not okay. It's not okay. So the, educate me okay. because Let I was me like, tell why you. would they do that? This is a conflict I have with my wife often. So my wife knows one language. Yeah. And she has no interest in learning any more languages. Yet she has been to Asia, Africa, uh, South America, Europe, you name it. She's been all around the world and she has been in places where nobody speaks her language. She has never once thought that, well, I better learn that other, the other person's language of the people I'm at, right? She spent a lot of time in places like orphanages and with young, younger kids, right? And so I will often say something like along the lines of your thinking, which is, you're either talking or you're fighting, right? You're either, and this is so true of like countries, you're either talking or you're fighting. You're either, um, you. Um, what I often will say is that language is one of the reasons I'm so interested in languages, is that language is a barrier where if you don't speak the same language as someone else, you cannot be friends. Mm. Like it's not possible, you can't be friends. My wife hates it when I say that <laughs> because she went to these places and she played games. Mm. She played games with them, and she felt there's a theory within. Um, she has a major in recreational therapy, which is playing games, at least in part, yeah. uh, with with people. And there is a theory amongst the um, you know recreational therapists that games reveal people's true nature in a way that's better than that would take longer for language. You play chess with somebody. You play Candyland with somebody and you're gonna understand the, the way their brain works in a, in a different way uh, depending on what kind of game you're playing. You'll understand how easily frustrated they get. You'll understand whether or not they are willing to cheat or maybe you know skirt the rules a little bit. You'll understand maybe a little bit about like if they're just pleasant or if they're just along for the ride, you'll understand a lot about them based on whether they come in first or last. Are they the kind of person that really doesn't like to lose? Or are they the kind of person that, or if it's somebody, and you, you can kind of judge based on how you play a game with someone, even if it's soccer or anything like that, um, whether or not you are compatible personality-wise with them, right? Yeah. And that's something that my wife will often bring up. Um, playing a game is a pretty, not it's none of it's perfect, but it's a pretty good substitute for talking. So in that sense, either you're playing, either you're talking or you're playing or you're fighting, right? Mm. That would be a better dichotomy instead of sure. either you know diplomacy or war, right? Either you're talking or you're fighting. Well, there, the, there is a third option there, which is play, which may not seem like the best way to get to a complex solution, but is a pretty good starting point. I well, think it's a pretty good starting maybe, point. Maybe that can be likened to like toddlers or babies that don't speak, right? But they sure. get together and they yes. play games. And yep, yep. 
or something akin to and that. And they'll thing. even kind of intuit the rules, right? Mm -hmm. Like a little three-year-old who doesn't understand the rules of a game will just kind of watch and figure out the rules and start to participate in little ways uh, as, along with the other kids who made the rules of the game and eventually start making their own new rules for that same game, you know? Yeah. And it's a way that kids can kind of communicate in their own little way, you know? So, just wanted to bring that up. <laughs> but she, she brings up in this that it, they it's, a bad, it's yes. a bad way to go about it because everything's going to be painted by these concepts of opposition and yes. victories and defeats. Winning or losing. So wouldn't yes. a linguist, one of the Chinese linguists, be aware of this and... You're, you're right. <laughs> when you're dealing with somebody that possibly could kill you and you don't know why or not, a game could easily become an ominous thing to do. Yeah. Maybe not the best idea. Yeah. But in terms of raw communication with somebody who you're trying to communicate with, sure. games are pretty good. In okay. terms of this could end the entire of, the, of humanity if it goes wrong, maybe game isn't the the such a good When you're trying spot. to like, yeah, particularly, you need to be very precise with words, right? And the yes. whole word that everyone gets really hooked up or really tripped up on here is the word weapon. Yes. Um, well, I can almost imagine what the aliens were saying, especially yeah. with the game language. They were yeah. saying, if you do this thing, you win. Yes. Right? You will win if you do this thing. Right. Now, the context of the game or whatever, what they're really saying is, here, this will help you. Yes. But the way through the context of a game, they'll say, this will make you emerge victorious, or this, we can be victorious over you, or you can be victorious. There's implications there that are like war, basically. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you're so limited yeah. by the, the vocabulary of the game yeah. that you're trying to take this concept and sort of make it fit into this vocabulary. See, at some point you need to stop playing the game and talk, yeah. right? So like I mentioned, I would start with math, with numbers. Well, yeah. at some point, once we've got the clock, once we've figured out <clears throat> the, the basic math, once we were able to communicate in that way, we're going to have to leap to language at some point and say, okay, you get the numbers. Now let me teach you our alphabet, you know? Yeah. Like at some point you do have to change. And if you start off with a game, I'd still rather start off with numbers, but um, you are going to have to transition away from that at some point because you can't have a decent conversation. Yeah. But that may have, they may have done that too. But the game colored their initial perceptions of the language to begin with, yeah. which is why they're talking about flowers and, and just the, the different Mahjong pieces, you know, yeah. because that was their early vocabulary. Instead of learning the first 500 most common words, they learned all the Mahjong pieces. Right. And, and so it colored everything from that point on became colored by the game. So. Yeah. Yeah. So this is where we kind of transition into the third act um, of the of the film, and it, it it all goes haywire because the aliens are saying uh, that their purpose here was to give a, a weapon. weapon, and everyone's freaking out about that particular word weapon. Like yes, because okay, okay, what is the, what the, they're trying to turn us against each other. Yeah. They want to offer a weapon to them that then they can conquer us and they're trying to divide us kind of a thing. That's the, right. that's the way the Chinese interpret this. And they're like, okay, we don't trust the aliens anymore. We should all unite and fight them and uh, get them to leave. Yeah. Uh, basically, we're done talking to them. And China kind of leads the way there. Right. Yeah. And so, um, anyways, I, I, I think it's an interesting concept. Well, but, but they just, wouldn't tell anyone why. Yes. At first, they just turned everything off. Right. We then found out, oh, weapon. Because they didn't want anyone else to know that there's a weapon. <laughs> so they're yeah. just like, ah, don't talk. So I, I wrote a note here. Similarly, would a message like offer weapon immediately 
put everyone in a panic. I don't mean everyone is in the world. I mean like as in the yeah, people talking. The, world, yes, the people talking to the aliens. You're right. Would they not then try to clarify what do you mean by weapon? I know it's like, weird that they went home and then went back, but I think you, you would have to understand at least at some point they aren't understanding these symbols immediately while they're talking. Yeah, so at the, by the end of the movie, she can see a symbol and know, okay, I think that's what it says. Um, but at this point in the movie, I think they still need to come back down and the, all those people on those computers with all the data points analyzing yeah. it, and then they find out what was said. I don't think they mm. find it out there. And so I think that's why there's this weird uh, yeah, the issue Yeah, I, I just kind of said, I was just wondering, not criticizing, it's just, uh, I would think that before you go tell your... <laughs> Your dumb yeah, military guys. Make sure guys. that it's right. They said they're <laughs> offering us a weapon. I would make absolutely certain that they're using the right word. Because yeah. you're, you're, you're talking to somebody and they have a very limited understanding of your language. You know, though, there's the, so much opportunity to misunderstand or yeah. to say the wrong word or to. So a scientist or a linguist or a professor would maybe not understand government bureaucracies the way that they should. Okay. Where, so you would think hey, don't let the higher-ups know that that's what it said. But at the same time, it's like, no, they'll understand. It's like, oh, no, they won't understand. They won't. The Secretary <laughs> of Defense will not understand that. that but, but some kind-hearted person might assume the best in people and think, well, I'll let them know what he said, but I'll explain it and they'll understand or something yeah. like that. But it's like that's not how government works. Right. Government's like, no, we can't take risks. Right? When yeah. you're in a state of emergency, you don't take chances. Yeah. And this is, a, this is a risk. And this is when all of the sites start shutting down and not sharing information anymore. Yeah. And this is, this is a really big part, I feel, of like kind of the theme <clears throat> of the movie, too, is that like at the beginning, all of humanity was united, sharing yes. their data with each other, yes. working in, in a united way to try to yeah. figure out a problem. Yeah. And it, they were, everyone was totally willing to share and trade and figure out what they learned, and we're all on the same team. As soon as that word gets brought up, they all shut off. Yeah. And it's like we're, they're not talking to each other anymore. They're not communicating. Um, and they're not sharing. Because right? the assumption is, a, and they bring this up later, but the assumption is it's a zero-sum game. Right? Yes. And so it's like, oh, there's a weapon. Someone's going to get the weapon. Yeah. And there's only a 1 in 12 chance that it's us. Yeah. We're not playing this game. It's yeah. a zero-sum game. We're not getting in it. In order for there's somebody no way everyone can win. to win, others have to lose. Yes. Which is what the... Um, the the other guy, not not the not Forrest Whitaker, but the, one of the other advisors shows yes, up, yes, and he's right. saying they're trying to talk to us and they can't. They need one representative of Earth. They're going to weed it out. They're going to wait until everyone's like kills they, each other one until there's one world government one, that they yeah, can talk to. Leader. And he's wrong about that, but. Um, that is a reasonable assumption. I hate sure. his character because he's a jerk. <laughs> but honestly, I don't. You, you, there's no nonsense in stuff like this, sure. right? So he's just doing what he thinks, and he's a representative for that side of the advocacy, that side of the argument, you know. So I don't mind it at all. That's probably how things really go. Yeah. You know, there's somebody who's just like, yeah, okay, let's put seven billion people on the line because you think that maybe it's an ice alien, even though he said weapon. You know, yeah. it's like, well, you might be right. What do you want to bet? <laughs> yeah. Do you want to bet what seven and a half billion people's lives that yeah. you're right? Are you yeah. sure? Mm -hmm. Like I'm pretty sure. Yeah. How much? How much you want to bet? Because this affects all of us. You know. Yeah, right. So I don't. I actually don't, don't mind the jerk that. character, and I yeah. think that it's good that somebody is that strong in their like representation of like the uh, the other side of the argument. Because you need to get this right. Yeah. Um, so Louise and uh, Ian, they really push to get back in there one more time to talk to the aliens. 
not knowing that the soldier guy had set a bomb in yeah. the room. Because they were basically shutting it down. Everyone was going to stop talking to the, <coughs> the aliens at this point. They're like, yeah. we're done talking with them. We don't trust them. We're going to get ready to declare war on them, basically. The Chinese are the first to declare war on the aliens. Yes, they declare war on them. Yeah. Um, and so uh, she, she fights her way to get back in there, but not realizing there's like four and a half minutes left on a ticking time bomb in the room. Um, but she's trying to clarify what they meant by weapon, right? Um, uh, but this is where she's given the full extent of the weapon, which is not a weapon. Yeah. It's like a tool, right? Yes. It's like um, an evolutionary sort of like gift or something like that. Yeah. It was what they meant by that. Um, and uh, so she puts her hand on the glass. It puts its tentacle thing on the glass and she starts to see... Uh, a more rapid succession of these memories that are actually nonlinear, uh, the experience of nonlinear time, seeing different points in time all at once, kind of mm. a thing, right? Um, she doesn't understand exactly what that is yet, but what the scene that she sees is her daughter coming to her and asking her about a term. There's a term that I, I can't think of it right now. It's kind of like when uh, both sides, you know, come out of a negotiation and they both get what they want. Yeah. What is that called? And she's like, I don't know, like a win-win. Com compromise. Yeah, win-win. And she's like, no, it's not that. It's more science-y. Because she says it's in a competition. Yeah. It's not just two sides getting what they want. It's like you're competing against each other, but you still get what you want. Yeah, it's like, it's a more science-y term than that. So if you want science, go talk to your father, you know. Yes. And so, so drawing that line that there is no connection between these two. Right. But then she's able to kind of break that and and is able to make a connection yeah. between the meaning and the matter, you know, between right. science and meaning, you know, yeah. and which so is language. It's this scene gets interrupted at this point because the bomb goes off and one of the heptapods pushes them out and sort of sacrifices the itself. The other one books it. Yeah, and he then, runs away yeah. and throws all those symbols, just like a huge complex web of symbols yeah. like all over the place and like runs away like very urgently. And then the other one like pushes them out. Um, and then it sacrifices its life to save them kind of yeah, deal, yeah. right? Um, but then the, the, she, they're in a meeting discussing this and trying to figure out like what's all this about. And that's when she sort of sees the scene again. It's non-zero sum game. That's the term she was looking for. Yeah. So she's beginning to, in the use of this ability to see nonlinear time, to basically s solve this world problem now. Yeah. Like she's the only one who can do it because she's the only one who has this ability at the moment. She's the only one with the weapon. Yeah. And it's this is where it starts getting really cool. How she starts like solving these problems by just like using this ability to see into the future and things. Um, uh, oh, and so they, they're studying um, th those symbols because it's like, oh, this is gonna take us years, right? It didn't take us forever to like look yeah. at how many symbols there are. Yep, yep. I thought this was really clever. Oh, um, yeah. for, so Donnelly, the first thing he discovers is that the symbol for time appears all over this web of symbols. Just yeah. like time, 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 time. There's the word time, yep. there's the word time, there's the word time. But then he decided to look at it differently. With the negative space within yes. here is what he wants to measure. And by doing that, he got eight, uh, 0.8333 repeating, yeah, yeah. which if you put that in a fraction is 1 12. 1 12th, yeah. And he's like, there's yeah. 12 ships. This is 1 12th 
of the message. And what it's going to take for us to get the full message to is to communicate yeah, again, yeah. to share our data, to trade yeah. our data, to trust each other. This is what the aliens are trying to get the humans to do. Yeah. This is their way of solving the problem that, oh, they stopped talking to each other. Yeah. Give each of them a piece of the message and they have to work together and trust each other and unite in order yeah. to get the full message. I thought that was really clever. I thought that was pretty cool. Way of kind of tying that into that concept. Yeah, that was cool. Um, uh, anyways, yeah, she just, she kind of walks out of that meeting as it, it looks like, you know, it's pretty helpless. The, the military's gonna start taking over. They're gonna be fighting. And uh, she just goes right back into the ship because she sees like a pod coming down to the ground. So she sees oh, yeah. herself getting into it. She's like, okay, I'm just gonna walk out there, get in the truck, drive over there yep. and get in this thing and go up and talk <laughs> to it. And uh, I love the reveal of the heptapod's full body here. Because as uh, it, it's been very obscured, right, by this kind of fog that's in the room that they're in, you've only yes. really seen like the legs and what you assumed to be the head of like a squid looking yeah. sort of thing, right? Maybe like a little bulbous head. But it, it, it shows up and it's like it, it, the camera pans yeah, up to taller. where our original assumption of the head was and stops for a moment on a beat and then pans up and it's like way taller yeah. than that. It's, it's like, like oh my bigger. gosh, this thing's <laughs> huge, right? Yeah. I thought it was a really clever way of revealing like the full scale of this alien. Um, using the camera again to sort of like tell the story there. It, it, it puts us up, like, kind of that slow pan. This is where you thought its head was. This is where its head really is. Yeah. Way up there. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> And, oh, and, and the, she had seen this, right? So she had seen, there's the scene where she's, she, she looks at her hands like a POV shot, and there's sort of like the ink sort of floating around her hands. Yeah. She had seen that while she was in the meeting. Mm -hmm. And so again, she's seeing the future, and so she knows like what, what to, to do. do. Yeah. And, and like, how, how cool is that, right? It's like, she's able to solve all these problems because she's already seen the result. She's already seen how it can be solved. She can experience all of these times at once, and so she knows what to do in the moment. Yeah. Um, what a great, amazing gift to be given, right? Um, so the, the alien basically leaves it up to her. The ships, they, they've sort of like, that was actually kind of a cool moment going back a little bit. So they had been really close to the ground. They started yeah. to take off, but then they just stopped really high. <laughs> and, and Forrest Whitaker's character's like, Somehow this feels a lot worse. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like this they didn't like leave. Even this more feels worse. ominous <laughs> than <Yes>. before. <laughs> I have no idea what this means, oh, right? That was great. Um, but in this area, this is where she starts to have more flashbacks of her childhood yes. as well. And as she's writing, as she's learning to write the way that they write, mm -hmm. um, she's seeing the future and elsewhere, you know. Yeah, and this is where she's putting it together that she is seeing the future now. Like yes. the, all these things she's been seeing, she had no idea what she was seeing. And now it's like the, the, the alien says weapon opens time. And it's like she's finally mm -hmm. piecing together, oh, that's what this is. I'm seeing the future, right? Um, yeah, so we see the scene with her daughter you're talking about. It's revealed that yeah. Donnelly married her in the future. This whole discussion is a microcosm of the entire film. Yeah. Is this scene, is the whole film is in this scene. Yeah. Yeah, because she's explaining um, the explanation to her child of telling her husband something that he wasn't ready to hear. Yes. Right? So she told him something just like the aliens came and said something that we weren't, Earth wasn't prepared to hear and it resulted in a misunderstanding and a conflict that ultimately resulted in well, 
a tragedy yeah. because Abbott, was it Abbott who died? I think Abbott dies. I think yeah. Abbott dies. Um, but that the beauty still exists and that the world, it's a non-zero-sum game. Everything can still work out yes. uh, despite the tragedy. Anyways, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. And the whole scene. that it's really, it's actually very convincing that him having learned that she saw from the beginning before they ever got married that their child would die and she did nothing to change it that yeah. would, would create a huge rift between he and her, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I totally can believe in that, especially if she didn't yeah. tell me from the start. She like, under, I, I was under the pretext of dating you and becoming engaged to you and having this relationship with you and but, you never told and me she this knew the from the start. Time. You never told me this would yeah, happen yeah. because she didn't want to change the future. Right. Right. She was. She and she asks him this question later on. If you knew, if you could see your whole life, yes. Like, would you change anything? And he, he doesn't said, really understand what she says, means by I, that. He says, "I would say my feelings more often." Yeah, something like yeah, that. Just a general. Yeah. yeah, that's about it. But like, yeah, she, she. He. They divorced because he felt so betrayed that she knew that this tragedy would happen and she put him through that anyways right, and didn't yeah. try to change it. Yeah. It's tough. He has a point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and and, and she, then she comes back into the present time and, and she says, I loved this line, I just realized why my husband left me. Past yes. tense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For somebody who is experiencing non-linear time right now, yeah. that's such a cool way of putting it because he says, you were married? <laughs> like he's yeah. still in linear time yes. she's not and so she is feeling like that's happened yeah even though it hasn't happened because right. she's experiencing it all at, all once. at once and so i just realized why my husband left me it's a really great way of separating the two perspectives on yeah. time um i thought that was really clever and, and they do it again a little bit later when she says i forgot how good it feels to be held by you or something like that and it's like the first time that he's like kind of professed his feelings for her. It's his first time holding her like that. And she yeah. says, I forgot how great oh, it feels to right. be held by you. You're right. Because yeah, again, yeah. she's already experienced her divorce. She's Long already ago. experienced, because yeah, yeah. she's living That's it all true. at once, right? It's so cool. That is cool. Um, I also put a note here. Uh, I thought it was really cool that they named their daughter, daughter Hannah because it's a palindrome, meaning that yeah. it reads the same forward and backwards. Yeah, it's, it's like the closest concept we have in our circle, language yeah. to this yeah, yeah. concept, this circle language concept, right? Um, so I thought that was really cool. Oh, and then Shang, he, she sees the future with Shang yeah, giving yeah. his private number to her, right? Which she then uses to call him and says in Mandarin the dying words of his wife what to convince him. He told, yeah, Like, yeah. look. Yeah. Like, I know what happens in the future. I have the weapon. Yeah. Um, like, call this off. Like, you, it's all a big misunderstanding. We gotta share our data with each other. And that's what ends up resolving the whole conflict, right? And so there's a future time where he meets with her uh, at, at some, I don't know, formal sort of government engagement type thing. Yeah, some UN. And he's like, I came here not because the president is honoring me, but because I wanted to meet you. Yeah. Because I have to tell you what my phone number is so that you can call me in the past. <laughs> and tell me these <laughs> tell words. Tell me these words so that That's all this so can good. work out the way <laughs> it so is. Funny. It's super cool. I love it, yeah, I love it. Um, and then I also love how uh, the ships, how they disappear. It's not, they don't go into like a light speed or like a, like fly off. They yeah, just sort they of, just kind of dissolve. Yeah, and they're just gone. Into the clouds. As if they were never As there. As if they were never there. Which is beautiful. Oh, and then I forgot to mention the alien says, in 3,000 years, the humans 
are going to help. We're going to yes. need your help. So we're, it's going to return the why favor. we came here to give you this yes. gift of opening time because you're going to need this in order for your race to become united yeah. so that you can reach a place because they, they see that, to right? They're, yeah. they're, do, they're already living. Yeah. They're doing the same thing she's that doing. That she did with the Chinese guy. They are yes. in their future giving a gift to, yeah. or in the past, giving a gift that will allow the future problem to be resolved. Which makes it a zero-sum game, yes. right? Because you can always, well, if you can control for time, you can do almost anything. Right. Um, another fun point, this is another circle, is that they give us this stuff now to keep what the future from happening, right? So then we have it now so that in the future we can have it, but then they have to be there in the future. Anyways, yeah. it, it still goes in a circle, which is a contradiction of time travel, yes. generally speaking. That's always the contradiction is, okay, yes. but it's a circle forever. But that's actually kind of the point yes. in this one, yes. <laughs> which makes it a lot more interesting to which me. Which would actually make me think that a rule of time travel in this interpretation of it is that it can't be changed anyway. Like time is fixed. Yeah, yeah. And you're living it all at once. It's all nonlinear and like you right. can't change it even if you wanted to kind of a thing, right? That it's was my, gosh, I was like eight <laughs> years old and I came up with this theory that life already happened and we're just reacting yes. to it. Yes, yes. Yeah. And like, I don't know why I never pursued that theory any further. But Dude, I, just I, have forgot something about to, I have something to add to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but let's get through the rest of this first. Okay. So last I, two notes. I still have quite a bit, but. Last two notes for me. I, I love how they bring Max Richter's on the nature of daylight back in at the end. It's a bookend that ties the beginning and the end of the movie together, forming it into a circle. Yeah. Right? Just everything That's cool. here was done so purposefully it around was. that concept of nonlinear time. Yeah, the set design and the everything camera. Everything in the movie, it, 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 it points you towards nonlinear time and toward the, toward the Ouroboros symbol. Yeah, yeah. And it, like even uh, you go back to the beginning, the first monologue. I used to think this was the beginning of your story. Mm -hmm. Memory is a strange thing. It doesn't work the way I thought it did. We are so bound by time, by its order. I remember moments in the middle and this is the end. But now I'm not so sure. I believe in beginnings and endings. The day, uh, so, the, yeah, this is the beginning of the movie, but it's actually the end of the movie. Because it's all, <laughs> it's just so cool the way that they, they tied that together. And you, the use yeah. of music there to do that was great. That is so cool. Okay, um, and then my last note was on the, the dialogue. If you could change life from start, uh, if you could see your life from start to finish, would you change things? Maybe I'd say what I feel more often. I don't know. You know, I've had my head tilted up to the stars for as long as I can remember that tilt up you're talking yep. about, right? You know what surprised me the most? It wasn't meeting them, it was meeting you. And then she says, I forgot how good it felt to be held by you. Great line again for a person Beautiful. experiencing time non-linearly. Fantastic movie. Perfect. Let's get your notes. I've got just in that scene right there, the camera tilts back down from yeah. above, showing we're now coming back down to earth after looking up. Yeah, so he, he said he, his, his head had been tilted up, but now he's tilting down too to yeah. focus on her, right? Yeah. So um, at the end, they say, do you want to make a baby? Yes. So um, the, her daughter is the birth of the archetype of the divine child because the divine child specifically means a hope for the future, yeah. right? So you can notice a correlation between when birth rates are going down versus when they're going up, right? Mm -hmm. So for instance, in 2020 and 2021, birth rates went way down yeah. during the pandemic. Um, in part, well, I suppose it would be 2021, because you don't always plan for that stuff way ahead of time. But um, people's hope for the future during the pandemic took a downturn. Yeah. Their idea 
that there was hope for the future and that why do I have a child if the future doesn't look so hopeful, then uh, you have a lot less children. Mm. Whereas when the future looks hopeful, you have more children. And um, the archetype of the idea of the divine child is that um, they're, they, they will, you know, give hope to the future or whatever. So that's, that's cool. I always like that kind of stuff. Um, the bird in the cage, by the way, mm. it doesn't just represent the canary in the coal mine. It did when I first saw it, but by the end of this movie, I'm thinking about it, that cage, re the, the bird in a way represents people, and then the cage in a way represents time. Oh, right? sure. Does that we're, make, we're you can kind of see where, where yeah, it's going sure. there? Uh -huh. Yeah, and so the bird is freaking out because it's limited. It's circumstances beyond its control have brought it to a point where it doesn't have, it doesn't know what's going on and its baser instincts are taking over and it's jumping around and screaming yeah. because it doesn't know what to do because it's confined by this. It's not an imaginary thing, but it may as well be. It's just a, a see-through bunch of wires that, that if at any point it could get out, it would then be able to do whatever it wants, right? right. Um, so that's a little bit of a microcosm. I suppose of, yeah, I think it's pretty of cool. humans and yeah. the limitation of time and then we've got the purpose of the Ouroboros here in their writing it becomes clear their writing allows them to control for time time is what the Ouroboros represents among other things it's a circle it's an eternal round endless not from one point to another but from infinity to infinity right yeah. so we're getting into some religious language here for a couple of reasons because the arrival of the ship is a reversal of the Tower of Babel mm. now this is fascinating so Tower of Babel, everyone speaks the same language. They build a big thing. They try to ascend it to become like God. They can't. It breaks. They're cursed to speak different languages now, and they scatter and have divisions oh, and yes, fightings yes. amongst each other, right? Yes. Now that's the current time. Boom. But, it, but the Tower of Babel was ground up, right? So now another tower shows up, but it's top down. Yeah. It's an offering from the heavens, the so to speak. The inverse. It's, yes, it's a root <laughs> inverse. So top down, poof, and these countries that aren't getting along and speak different languages yeah. come together, ascend the tower, learn a divine speech, which is a uniformity of understanding so that everyone can speak the same language yes. as provided by the gods that then allows us to transcend. Anyways, this is the Tower of Babel, but reversed. That's and awesome. It's freaking cool. That's really cool. And it's really, uh, I freaking love that. I love it, I love it. So, actually, I said it's actually a bit of a Gnostic interpretation. Mm, yeah, um, like a, given a, a recontextualization. Exactly, of it's the a story. reversal. Yeah. They reverse the story, but it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Um, and then I've got this. Is my last note here: In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and without it, nothing that was created was made. Or what? I don't. I didn't look it up Perfect when I wrote it down. But that's more or less what it says. The word, logos, right? Yeah. That's the key to escaping time. Within this, within the confines of this movie, the, the language, the word, when you understood the word, when, you under, when your, your logos could interpret the logii, the logoi, properly in a, in, a, in a godly context, which is outside of time, then those who... Um, have the word can ascend to Godhood. Mm, Anyways, yeah. my last notes here were all totally super religious because <laughs> I, I don't think it's intentional at all, but that the word is what um, saves humanity from the confines of time. Anyways, freaking great, super killer movie. Oh, by the way, who forever um, didn't know that reference, that's the first verse of the Gospel of John. Oh, right. The first one or two verses, right? Yeah. Um, and killer movie yeah dude. it's a great movie i think that's good 
for now. We appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for your support on Patreon and Subscribestar. Um, this was really fun. Yeah. I, I like I like getting away from games for a minute and doing a movie. Um, <laughs> hey, me too, I, I actually. I love this movie. I look forward to doing more. And um, we'll do another vote next month. Yeah. Um, I'll try to throw in a short game, too. So I'll, I'll try to put in, each month I'll try to put in one of three. I'll try to put in a film, a short game, and uh, maybe like a, an episode from a television series or something like that to break down. Um, so I'll try to do that this time. I'll, I'll put um, Nausicaa back in there since that was oh, so popular. And yeah. then I'll put a short game and uh, an episode from a TV series and see which one you guys pick. So look for that in the next week or so to vote on. And we will talk again soon. Peace out. <laughs>